From the creators of Circles of Faith, this is Slices of Life, where friends grow faith, enhance life, and build community together. I'm Kimberly Amici, and I'm here with Elise Daly Parker and Noelle Rhodes. Today, we're talking about books. Before Slices of Life was a podcast, Circles of Faith was primarily a community blog. On the first Friday of every month, we ran a column called First Friday Book Faves. There, we asked our readers and contributors to tell us what they were reading. We didn't ask for a detailed review, just a few sentences on the latest book that they thought was worth sharing with others. Now we are carrying that idea over to the podcast, where we talk about books that we just can't seem to put down, as well as the ones that have made us laugh, cry, and those that have taught us rich spiritual lessons. Before we get started, let's do what we do each week. I want to ask my fellow book lovers an In Your Words question. What is your favorite place to read and why? Who wants to go first? Go for it, Noel. <laughs> I love to read in the bathtub. Really? <laughs> it's like my little slice of luxury. Mm. I put the bubbles in and get my book. Don't you and worry just... about your book getting wet? Um, that has happened. <laughs> <laughs> But it's like it's like a risk, you know, it's like the dangerous um, kind of enchanted side of reading in the bathtub. But it's just like the ultimate relaxation for me because mm-hmm. I, I find reading really relaxing. So if I really want to unwind, yeah. So I could be like in the bath like an hour and a half. I come out like a prone. So I'm guessing <laughs> you don't read your books on a Kindle or an iPad. I do that as well. But not in the tub? <laughs> um, don't tell my husband but sometimes <laughs> I do I, I have done that secretly um, he probably should never listen to this podcast because I have <laughs> dropped my phone in various bodies of water before um, but not the bathtub that's good <sighs> not the bathtub but I, but I prefer to read if I'm going to read in the bathtub with a book book as in paper mm-hmm. in my hand and if I'm not going to read in the bathtub, I do read on my phone and anywhere. Anywhere I can steal like f- 10 minutes to myself, you can guarantee I'm reading a book on my phone. Yeah. What about you, Elise? Um, well, my my favorite place to read is kind of my bed, but I always fall asleep too soon. So um, it's not a very productive place to read. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch it to... My very favorite place, which is a very rare moment, is on my hammock in my backyard on a summer afternoon. And I will tell you that I am somebody who rarely gives myself permission to actually just do something like that. Go on a hammock for an hour and read a book. So I don't get a lot of reading in because of that, but (laughs) that's my favorite place. And I don't have my hammock anymore because I just moved. But I will have another hammock, believe me. Good. Yes. I like to read in my bed, too, usually at night before I go to bed, although I don't get as much reading done because I fall asleep, too. But um, recently I've been reading a few books on the Kindle, and if I make the letters really big, I don't get tired as fast. (laughs) Just <laughs> wonderful. Um, little tip. <laughs> yeah. When I can't read uh, in bed, I usually try to read on my Sabbath, which means I could really read wherever I want because I can I give myself permission to read in the middle of the day. And um, so it's probably outside in a lawn chair. Yeah, mm. somewhere outside when it's not too muggy and hot. Right, like, right. Like today, today is. Yeah. <laughs> like today. <laughs> <laughs> All 
right, so this is going to be um, pretty easy today since I know that we have some books that we've read that we've really enjoyed. So we're going to just going to go around in a circle and talk about um, what we're reading right now and maybe why others should read it. So we can each take turns. Noelle, why don't you start us off? I have just finished reading the book For the Love by Jen Hatmaker. And I'm just going to come out and say it. I am a huge Jen Hatmaker fan. If there were underwear, like fan underwear with her name on it, I totally would wear it. I stalk her. I stalk her on Twitter. I stalk her on Instagram. I am like her fan girl, and um, I just really love her reading. She's very re- uh, writing. She's um, very real. She's very very funny, and she kind of just makes you feel normal. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, there's things that she. The book is the book name is for the love. And it's fighting for grace in a world of impossible standards, which is a phenomenal line in itself. And it's just a bunch of essays that she's written on several different topics like friendship, family, marriage, church, all different kinds of things. And um, she has these chapters called Thank You Notes, which is very similar to Jimmy Fallon's Thank You Notes. And I'm just going to read you an example of what one of her Thank You Notes are because I laughed out loud when I when I read it and that was thank you coffee for everything you make life possible I don't want to make you feel weird but you are my soulmate well done <laughs> and she's got like whole chapters where she like thanks these random things they're just really really funny but one of the things that I love about this book is that I really felt just permission to just do me she talks about like you do you and especially for being um in ministry, and I, I became a pastor's wife early on. For a long, long time, I tried to be what I thought was the typical pastor's wife, and was continually failing because my personality is so not that way. Um, to give you an example, I remember when I was first married and became a pastor's wife, a youth pastor's wife, I went to go see a friend who was also married to a youth pastor, and she was making brownies and she said that she was making homemade brownies for her husband's youth ministry and I thought wow it's so nice that you're doing that and then she said to me Noel this is what youth pastors wives do and I was shocked by that because that's not what I did <laughs> and um you know I was doing other things like I, I wrote a whole little curriculum for my junior high girls about friendship back in the day called the good bad and ugly about friendship and I thought gosh I shouldn't be writing I should be baking and in my mind, I create this perception of what I was supposed to be like. And I think Jen Hatmaker does a great job of unraveling that and mm-hmm. kind of just giving women permission to just be themselves and to understand that that the only thing that we really need is God and people. And that's enough. And so I laughed. I cried. Um I got my mom to read the book, and she loves it. And if my mom likes a book, that's a big deal. Um, and it's great. I would highly recommend, especially if you're young and you're just starting out in ministry particularly, or if you have um, certain dreams and passions that you want to follow, but you're feeling a little bit insecure, I'd highly, re- I highly recommend reading this book. Yeah, I'm almost done with it, and I would agree with you. I really have enjoyed it. For me, it's the perfect summer read, the perfect pool read. And, um, yeah, I've really enjoyed it so far, too. What about you, Elise? 
What have you read recently or in the last year? Well, um, one of the books that I've really enjoyed reading through is called Listening is an Act of Love. And um, the subtitle is A Celebration of American Life from the StoryCorps Project, which is a radio program based on really interesting, um, just people interviewing somebody they know um, and just kind of asking one question. So, for example, there's a story of, um, you know, a grandson asking his grandfather something or a conversation between a husband and a wife, um, interviews by a a father and daughter, um, really, really wonderful stories. And the whole basis of StoryCorps, I'm going to share that with you. And it's so in keeping with me and what I, what I think and what I believe and how I feel. And it, it makes me cry because it's so true and moving. <laughs> and what's mm. funny about I will say something funny about this book. My daughter Amelia gave me this book. And that was moving in itself because she totally gets what I feel about stories. It just was sort of like, oh, my gosh, my daughter definitely has a window into my soul. So that touched me that she knew me well. And the sign of a good story in my family, especially me reading a good story, is that I cry. So if if my children ever wrote a story that I would read or an essay or something, they would watch my face. I think we've talked about this before to see if I was crying. And if I was crying, then they knew that they had done a good job. So with this <laughs> book, I literally picked this book up and we were driving down the shore or somewhere, going somewhere. I think it was down the shore around Easter time. And um, I literally burst into tears one moment. And then a few minutes later, after reading another story, I la- I was laughing my head off. So really good to me. That's a great, that's a great read. Yeah. So it's, it's short stories, very short stories. But again, I'll, I'll tell you the idea. StoryCorps is built on a few basic ideas that our stories, the stories of everyday people are as interesting and important as the celebrity stories we're bombarded with by the media every minute of the day. That if we take time, the time to listen, We'll find wisdom, wonder, and poetry in the lives and stories of the people all around us. That we all want to know our lives have mattered and we won't ever be forgotten. That listening is an act of love. Participating in StoryCorps is a simple process. First, you make an appointment to visit one of your recording bo- one of our recording booths. Bring anyone you choose, your grandmother, your dad, your sister, your best friend, the waitress at the local diner whose story you've always been curious about. And a trained StoryCorps facilitator will greet you, take you into the booth, and shut the door. And then once you're inside, you you go through the process of the interview. So I just absolutely love that concept. I wish I had heard of it. I mean, thought of it. Um, because that's what I'd like to do. I'd like to be running around the country, um, inter- having pe- setting up people with interviews and talking about their own little particular stories. Another, uh, just to mention another a specific story that I really enjoyed was uh, with a mother and or a mother-in-law and daughter-in-law between a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law, and the mother-in-law is is Indian and she lived in an, you know she was put into an arranged marriage, and her daughter-in-law was not, and married her son mm. obviously, and the daughter-in-law is curious about that process, and I love how this ends. Um, with Sulakana is the name of the woman, if if I may try to pronounce her name, and her daughter-in-law is Melissa. So Sulakana and 
ends the interview with this. Rather than look for what you have in common, you have to grow together. The only reason that marriages work is because you are friends and are respecting each other. And I just thought it's such a simple thought and it's so poignant at the same time because it's true. It's true of all, whether you've been in an, whether you're in an arranged marriage or not. And it kind of made me think we're all in an arranged marriage in a certain way, aren't we? Because yeah, well, we've talked about that. that. Yep. We believe that God brought us together, then we definitely are in an arranged marriage. And, um, and it's, a, it's a decision sometimes to stay together. So anyway, it's not just a, you know. Yeah. Oh, and as people change up. in their marriage, they become different people. And you sometimes we wake up and go, this isn't the person that I married. <laughs> and right. Tim Keller talks about that in his book, The Meaning of Marriage, how there comes a point when you kind of look at that person and they're, they're not the same person, right? There's yeah. some... Yeah. They're, because of the growth that's happened, because of changes that have happened, because when you were dating, maybe things that they weren't vulnerable with you about are now exposed, and you see mm-hmm. them for who they truly are, and you can feel like you're in an arranged marriage. Yes, yes. So anyway, that's my fave, one of my faves this year. That's great. Well, I'm not surprised, because I know you love story, mm-hmm. and you love um, helping others share their story. And so my, what I recently got finished reading, and I mentioned this in another podcast, um, but at the time when I mentioned it in the Kids and Money podcast, I hadn't read it yet. I just knew it was going to be really good, and I'd read the first chapter. But I finished it. It's um, Smart Money, Smart Kids, Raising the Next Generation to Win with Money by Dave Ramsey and his daughter, mm-hmm. Rachel Cruz. And cool. I love Dave Ramsey, and I've listened to his podcast for a long time on and off. So I would say a majority of the information in that book to me wasn't new. But with, with anything else, if you're trying to live your life according to a certain set of principles, when you are reminded of them, you're like, yes, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. And that's that's makes sense to me again. And, and I think that we had got, my husband and I have gotten to a point in our lives where we needed the refresher. We mm-hmm. needed to remember um, why we don't want to be in debt, why we don't want to finance our life, um, why... Um, why it's important to model good money management to our children and what we should be teaching our children. And it was a good read because he was sharing his story, which it always, we know, anytime the author shares their story, instead of just trying to teach us a few principles, it's so much more engaging. So to hear his story and some of the things that he implemented as a father, and then to hear her point of view, because they alternate back and forth between chapters, to hear her point of view Mm. about what she learned and how it impacted her and how she's seen the fruit of it in her life has been really interesting. And, you know, they, you you know, everybody's money life is not going to look the same, but they provided some things that they did that I think were great ideas and I'm looking forward to applying mm. to my children. That sounds really awesome. Cool. So that was yep. great. Noel, you got a second one for us? Yes. Yes, I do. I just finished Sarah Bessie's out of sorts, making peace with an involve with an, evol- with an involving faith. And I've got to tell you, okay, it's a little bit background. I grew up in the church. So like, I was born going to church. I did church every Sunday. And, um, yeah, I, I, I kind of have some issues from that. (laughs) So I really enjoyed reading this book. I found it very healing. I, I text a friend like we go and said, I've cried 15 times this morning reading this book. She just really gives women permission 
and men actually to ask questions. She's got a great quote in the book that says, Blessed are the wonderers with the courage to live into the questions. Seems to me that sooner or later, whether we like the outcome or not, theirs is the answer. And I like just how she talks about her own personal story of her kind of, you know, kind of getting burned out by kind of church culture and um, having to wrestle with some aspects of her faith and different things. And she actually stopped going to church for several years and the story is actually her journey back mm. and what that looks like now and it's very powerful very powerful i think if you are a person who really kind of struggled with some maybe church hurt or feel like your doubt hasn't been taken seriously this is a great book it's mm. she's a phenomenal writer number one very very has an amazing way with words and she really just makes room for people to kind of ask those questions, but press into Jesus at the same time. It's, it's beautiful. That's great. Elise. Well, um, this is kind of, I, I don't even know when this was published, but I'm sure it'll be familiar to most people. The life changing magic of tidying up the Japanese art of decluttering and organizing. I- Love yep. that book. If you didn't yeah. say it, I would have said it. <laughs> uh, okay. By Marie Kondo. And um, for those who have not read it, it's a book about um, organization. And I'd say even beyond that, it's a book about um, attachment. To, that at least was one of the big messages for me. Um, the attachments that I have to, to a lot of different things. Um, Marie came up with a, a, a method... I think it's this book has been on the New York Times bestseller list for a very, very, very long time. And if I mention it to somebody um, who hasn't read it, they are really intrigued and really want to get it right away. So it's it's an interesting. It's you know it's, it just kind of speaks to the fact that we, I'm going to say particularly in this country because I think it is true, are such consumers and we have so much stuff. Yeah. And in order to, um, we, we just have to purge at times and we have to organize all this stuff. I don't know if anybody's familiar with George Carlin did a, um, really, really funny. I mean, I, I, I'm sure there were plenty of swear words mixed in there, but it was a really funny, <laughs> um, piece on our stuff and how we buy bigger houses to put our stuff in, you know, bigger s- spaces and having yeah. just moved out of a bigger home to a smaller home and not having anywhere to put a lot of our stuff. And I'm not kidding boxes everywhere. Um, that I don't, I don't, I think we'll just end up tossing. But anyway, um, Marie has taught me something that I really needed to use as we were um, getting prepared to move. And it's uh, basically my version of it is, um, well, her idea is, her whole pr- approach to the tidying thing is is not exactly what I've done. Have you guys done it? You both are familiar with the book. Have you done it where you go? Yes. Instead of room by room, you do category by category. Yes. So you did all your books, all your clothes, all your electronics, all your plants, whatever it is. Um, so yes. you did. We did. How did you like that? How did you, how did you do with that? 
It was good. I, I like the idea of doing it in categories rather than rooms. At first, I was mm-hmm. like, really? But mm-hmm. um, we recently did a large renovation, and so we had to vacate a lot of the rooms we were in. And so it really was the point at which I was like, I'm going to do this because yeah. I didn't want to put everything back where it was before. And in some cases, I had more space because I had you know a few extra cabinets in the kitchen and I had a bookcase here, but I was like, you know what? I don't want to fill it up. Um, yeah. So I did. I went just through my books. I went just through my clothes. And then I went just through the kids' stuff. So I, um, it was good. My favorite thing was learning how to fold my clothes the right way so that I could actually store things like T-shirts and other things so that they maximize the space I have. Mm-hmm. Well, I sure need that. I, you know, I need to go back over my book for this leg of the journey now that we are in this new place. And for example, I have no place to put most of my clothing. Um, and I have too much of a, too much clothing. So I, and I'm, I'm really bad at this. So I'm actually having two of my sisters come and help me purge. Oh, good. So yeah, but I did, we did actually They do, cancel. You can call me. <laughs> I did actually call, uh, I mean, what was I going to say? You just said call. I picked up on that. They, I did, we did actually do this approach, now that you mention it, Kimberly, with our books, with our CDs, with our DVDs, all that stuff actually when we were moving out um, and packing up. The problem is I still want to get rid of at least 50% more of what we've already packed up and wow. now resides in boxes in our many different rooms. Wow. Well, not that many different rooms, but in many different places. But one of the things that I want to really share about this book that I loved so much and was unbelievably helpful for me because I am personally attached to everything. That's my problem. I literally (laughs) have emotional attachment to everything. And I I mean, it's just, you know, I can just picture my children eye rolling me. Um, It's just true. And it's a little bizarre, but it's the way I am. So what really helped me was Marie's way of acknowledging that something had met a purpose in your life and that that was good. And then you could now bid this thing goodbye. So, I mean, it's sort of a little strange because you feel like you're making animate objects out of inanimate objects, but it was so helpful to me. So it's something like this. Thank you, little wooden fish earrings. You were so precious to me 15 years ago. (laughs) When I wore all my fresh produce dresses and the fish just went perfectly. And you have done your job. Thank you so much. Uh, I bid you goodbye. And I just did that with so much stuff because I, it's like acknowledging I do have an attachment. What's the attachment? Okay. That's the attachment. Okay. Now I can say goodbye because really the dress is gone. I'm not wearing the earrings ever again. It's time to give it to somebody else. You know, the, 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 the three boxes, throw away, give away, keep. It's time to give that away. So I did that. Honestly, I did that with many, many objects. I haven't done that with my jewelry. I, mm, I could do that uh, with my jewelry. More, I, more, 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 more. I did the same thing you did, Elise. And I would tell my friends, you know, that I would thank these inanimate objects and they'd laugh at me but it's very it's very therapeutic because i had a real problem with scarf hoarding (laughs) i had a lot of scarves (laughs) a lot of scarves troy was gonna sign me up for the hoarder show soon and i started to say goodbye to them and thank them and i'm like thank you linen scarf that used to make my neck very sweaty (laughs) you were you were were very trendy in 2007 but your time has come (laughs) 
<laughs> and then oh my gosh. I didn't feel I felt like I that chapter was closed. Yes. Yes. I'm I agree you. with you 100%. Read the book. Uh, yeah, I agree. Read the book. It, it's, a, it's a cute little book too. It's very pretty and you yeah. know, and she's got a great she's got a very good approach to a good way of writing about it and all that stuff. So good book. Okay. Kimberly All right, I'm going to say two books. Uh, They're not by the same author, but they're about the same topic. When I'm learning about something, I tend to group my books together a bit. So, Mm. and they're two very different approaches. So one was Raising Grateful Kids in an Entitled World by Kristen Welsh. And then the other was Cleaning House, a mom's 12-month experiment to rid her home of youth entitlement by Kay Wills Wema. I probably am saying that wrong. So... They're both about youth entitlement. The first one, um, actually, the second one I mentioned, Cleaning House, I actually started reading first. And that was more like practical, hands-on things that this mom was doing with her family. And I immediately started to incorporate them into my life. Um, Things like the kids cooking dinner, um, doing more stuff around the house, cleaning their rooms, changing their own sheets, simple things like that. Um, Some of the things that they talked about were not aged appropriate for my children yet. It was more for like older children. And so I put the book down for a little while and then recently picked it back up. And I thought it was fantastic because I'm a very practical person. So it's great to tell me a concept, but I want to know, okay, now how do we put it to work on the ground? And so I really enjoyed that. And as I was actually finishing up the book, I picked up Raising Grateful Kids in an Entitled World because I wanted to keep going with this idea of entitlement and trying to get a sense of how I can change the way my kids view their world. And the one by Kristen Welsh was excellent as well. It was a very different approach, meaning that there was much less practical information in it and more. it was more idea-driven. And it was heavy on Bible and heavy on scripture, which the other one was not, even though it was written by a Christian author. Um, And that's neither positive or negative. It's just a different approach. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I think it was just a great reminder that, um, you know, when our kids get out into the real world, not everything's going to be done for them. And if they have an understanding that they're not owed everything, then... Maybe they will respond differently. Maybe they'll be more grateful. Maybe they'll serve people better. And also that it's important to get some skin in the game and be a part of what your family's doing at home, what your family's doing in the community, what they're doing in their church. So they were both excellent, and they're both kind of tied together. So I, I grouped them. Cool. They sound good. Yeah. Really good. Okay, guys. So why don't you let me know what you're looking forward to reading next, whether it's out already and it's just on your nightstand waiting for you to pick up or whether it's about to be released. Let me know. So I stumbled upon an amazing, really hysterical author called Melanie Dale. She um, she's coming out with a new book called "It's Not Fair: Learning to Love the Life You Didn't Choose," mm. and um, in the description on Amazon it says, "This book is a cup of hot coffee, a ginormous 
bar of chocolate or the magical fairy that comes over and does your dishes while you lie in the fetal position clutching a fluffy pillow. So I already love this book. Um, Melanie Dell's written another book that I stumbled upon called Women Are Scary, The Totally Awkward Adventure of Finding Mom Friends. Because as we've talked about, I'm writing a book about friendship. So this is how I found Melanie Dale. She's got a really funny podcast called Lighten Up. And she's just very, very funny. So I like to just read some funny stuff too because <laughs> I tend to read a lot of heavy stuff but I like to be able to laugh out loud so I'm really looking forward to this book coming out it's not fair learning to love the life you didn't choose it comes out August 16th it's on Amazon it will be in paperback and Kindle and the author's name is Melanie Dale and check her out her podcast too lighten up it's very funny I need funny yeah I tend to get too serious or be so serious and then just forget to lighten up mm-hmm. what about you Elise well, I am very excited about Lisa Turkhurst's book, Uninvited, Living Loved When You Feel Less Than, Left Out, and Lonely. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh my what I always think with Lisa <laughs> Turkhurst's books, and maybe everybody else does too, that's why they're so popular, is, oh my gosh, how did she get into my head? And yes. um, yeah. I just think she's, she's really brilliant and insightful. And yet so incredibly down to earth. I mean, the, the uh, examples that she uses throughout her books of real life, um, trying to think of some of the, the other books that I've read that I've loved of hers. Um, help me out, Kimberly. What are some of the books that we've read of hers? The one. Unglued. Uh, the one. Unglued. Unglued. Yes, you okay. like, loved Unglued. Unglued. You even did a Bible study on that, right? And Made to Crave. Made to Crave. Oh, fabulous. you like that one, too. I remember you talking about that. Yeah, yeah. The, the Made to Crave is the one I think I did the Bible study on. I don't know if I did one on Unglued. Maybe I did. But definitely went to a Bible study on Made to Crave. Mm-hmm. And again, there she was talking about, you know, we crave uh, food when we really are craving God and connection to God. And, mm-hmm. and Unglued is like an amazing, awesome book for any young mother, especially, who feels like they're coming unglued with, with life, with the pressures of life and raising a family. And, um, you know, she makes you... Lisa is very good at making you feel not crazy um, yes. and like your, your experience, even though it can feel so extreme is, um, is, is normal. And so I have definitely, one of my issues is um, feeling rejection and feeling lonely and feeling uh, unloved. Hmm. And um, I, I have to say, praise God, I have absolutely moved along the journey on that, on those things. But mm-hmm. You know, immediately when I read the, read the title, just uninvited, I was like, oh, my gosh, she's going to do it again. She's going to really, you know, <laughs> dig into my life and, um, and, and show me, frankly, because a lot of times Lisa's younger than I am. Good old, my good old friend Lisa um, is, is younger than I am. And so she's having these, writing these books a little late for me, probably really perfect timing for you guys, maybe. Um, mm. They're a little late for me, but they're always so powerful. You know, I think I've gotten over something. And I read through, I think with the book Unglued, because I had a, a lot of issues with anger and um, unfortunately rage. And um, I feel like I underlined every other line, you know, underlined every other sentence in that book because it was still, even though, again, a lot of this stuff, it was behind me. It's just so spot on. So I am thrilled to be, um, to be just about to start uninvited once the book has been <laughs> sent from my old address 
Tim I hate oh, her. Gosh. <laughs> She's got such a powerful voice. I mean, yeah, I love her work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm looking forward to reading Present Over Perfect, Leaving Behind Frantic for a Simpler, More Soulful Way of Living by Shauna Nanquist. Mm-hmm. I absolutely loved Bread and Wine. We talked about that book in a previous episode. She, from hearing her speak and reading her books, it's changed the way I thought about hospitality, mm-hmm. but also about eating with friends and experiencing life through community, through food, through the people in your life. Um, I also enjoyed her book, Bittersweet, which was before that one. We could probably always say at some point as moms that we're in busy seasons of our life, but uh, I truly believe that I am in a busy season, but I'm also in a season where I'm getting the hang of Sabbath and I'm getting the hang of slowing down and I'm getting the hang of balance And I think this is just one more book that can really help me solidify what I'm learning and really make productivity and excellence and rest and Sabbath a part of my life. And I don't need to forsake the one to have the other. So I'm looking forward to that. Mm. And that that came out this week. So by the time we hear you guys hear this podcast, it's already been out. But um, so it won't be as new, but it's definitely what I'll be reading next. I have when I when we did the, um, the renovation and I went through all my books and I reorganized them and I got rid of old books that didn't bring me joy. I put all of the books that I hadn't read in one big bookcase in my room because that's where I like to read. And so it's the, it's where I am when I finish a book and ready for the next. Mm -hmm. And so part of me is like, just read all one of these books on your bookshelf. You don't need to go out and buy another one, but this is the book that's going to make me go buy a new one. (laughs) <laughs> despite despite <laughs> yeah. the stacks and the shelves of ones that say you haven't read me yet <laughs> pick me up and i think while i'm at it i'll get lisa turkers's book and maybe even the one you recommended um noel because i could use a laugh mm-hmm. definitely who couldn't i'm interested in hearing um what our listeners are reading too right now so i'll be looking up the facebook community page and seeing what everyone's reading yeah that would be great for us to talk about it there Um, If you've read any of the things that we've already spoken about, we'd love to hear what you think of them and then even what you're reading next. I know that that's a question I ask my friends often Mm -hmm. because I think that's the best way to find a book is through word of mouth. Mm -hmm. I agree. Although I have to say, like, if I recommend a book and my friends don't like it, I get super offended. Oh. I really do. (laughs) I take it so personally. I'm like, what do you mean you didn't like that book? So recently I've been listening to What Should I Read Next? And that's from Ann Bogle. What she does is she has guests on the show. They give her three books they like, what what they're reading now, and then one book they hate. And then so she does like a book match with them. And what I'm learning through listening to this podcast, plus learning about self-awareness and the, t- the personality type I am, I'm learning that there are certain books that I like for a reason. So what's Mm. really interesting is on this podcast, she's able to like figure out what the underlying thread is in the books that you like. Mm, That's interesting. Which is amazing. So for example, this, um, she had a guest on her show that was had mentioned a few books and she said, what I'm seeing is that you really like it when the protagonist is an underdog or, or who has impossible circumstances to overcome. And then they succeed. And so she was able, they were all different types of stories, like set in different places, different kinds of characters. And she was able to identify that thread. And 
I read, I read a book recently that everybody loved and I felt horrible, but I hated it. And Mm. so what I realized is my personality doesn't like books like that. I don't like the story being told by a narrator. I want it to be plot driven. I want lots of dialogue. I want a story where yeah, good triumphs evil. Like I'm talking in terms of novel now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so when I pick up a book where there's really no struggle, but it's just this beautiful narrative. Like I, I don't, I don't like it. Like I feel bad for not liking it. But what I'm finding is that it's it's almost as important for me to figure out the types of book I like and then stay in those, stay in that area. Do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Sure. So yeah. I think it has less to do about how good the book was written or who it was written by or what it touches on, and more about the kind of book that speaks to you. Which I never, I don't know. I never thought book reading was that complex. Wow, that's interesting. And and also it gives you permission to not like certain books. Yeah. Yeah. That everybody's liking. I have two really well read friends and they always suggest books to me and I I always hate the books they suggest. (laughs) And I'm convinced it's because they're they're a little bit more I I would say they're brighter than me. (laughs) And I just think they pick books that like there's words I don't know what they mean. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) you know what I mean? Like it's just not and or what the the plot isn't like clear you know and they're like didn't you see the symbolism in that book and i'm like nope yeah yeah yeah. and um so we have fun though we talk about it and we just enjoy how we're different you know reading can be very subjective so no i know and that's what i'm learning about it and feeling more comfortable in my own skin when it comes to choosing books and as my kids are even learning about writing they were learning this summer about storytelling and how there's sometimes there's an internal internal conflict and sometimes there's an external conflict and i'm not really interested in reading a whole book about someone's internal conflict i'm just not oh my gosh so interested (laughs) (laughs) and so when you realize that different stories fall into different buckets from the perspective of how they're told yeah then you start to go i don't i just don't like books like that and like again again permission to just be you and mm-hmm. like what you like, and then you can make better choices. Sounds good. I actually have a book group that um, they are, most of the members of the book group are voracious readers. And I don't know how many years ago I joined this group, but they've been together for a long time. And it's been um, wonderful in many ways. Um, but the primary way is that at least I've attempted to read some of the books that they read. They read all the, you know, hot bestseller list mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. And, and I don't yeah. generally read that stuff. And um, when I do, I'm always glad I have. I don't necessarily love it, but I want that exposure um, because that isn't what I tend to read. So it's funny because yeah. I don't feel I don't feel badly reading books that I don't like. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I, I feel like it's, it's important, I don't know, somehow mind expanding a little bit. But I will say that I do show up they would attest to this um often having not read the book or at least not finished the book and um yeah yeah, they're they're great about it you know we have dinner and talk about it anyway or talk a little bit about the book and move on to other things so but it's 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 great yeah that's what book groups are for Mm -hmm. Mm all right we're going to wrap this one up so if you guys are wondering what to read check out the show notes if you didn't get a chance to write down any of the books we talked about don't worry because they're there for you in the show notes you'll also find links to the facebook community where you can continue this conversation about books and share what you're reading 
Subscribe to the newsletter at circlesoffaith.org and you'll get the show notes, additional content, and resources delivered right to your inbox. Share our podcast with a friend. And if you have a moment, head over to iTunes to rate and review the show. Every comment helps listeners find us. 